Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we are sitting down with Daniel Del Coro, who is the head of U.S. business development for Secret Island and Salmonis Austral North America. And we are having a great conversation all about – we talk about Secret Island and kind of tell his story, but we also – this conversation has a heavy focus on kind of targeting a younger demographic and, and kind of identifying a specific demographic and how you can use your marketing as a seafood business to target specific demographics. And it's a really cool conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, we are smack dab in the middle of the Responsible Seafood Summit in St. John. And uh, I just want to say, if you are listening to this and you're at that event, please come talk to us, come find us, come find Daniel. Uh, and we would love to meet you and get a little input from you on how we can make this show even better. So if you're at that event and you're listening to this, when it comes out, please come find us. If not, uh, I'm sorry that we missed you, but we hope you enjoyed this conversation that we had with Daniel, before we get into it, I want to remind everybody, as I always do, to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. That way, every time a new episode comes out, it will be automatically downloaded directly to your device. And follow us on Twitter, at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, you want to be a sponsor, you want to be a guest, you have topic suggestions, you can do all that on our online forum, which is located at globalseafood.com dot org slash podcast. That's right. And if you have a couple minutes, it'd be great if you could leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out and we appreciate everybody that's already done that. So without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation that we had with Daniel and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right, so we are sitting down today with Daniel Del Coro, who is the head of U.S. business development at, at Secret Island. Are you at Secret Island or Salmonis Austral? Well, both. Um, I run the North American division of Salmonis Austral. So Salmonis Austral North America. Our parent corporation is Salmonis Austral South America. And uh, the brand that I built for Salmonis Austral is Secret Island. Perfect. I'm glad you cleared that up. There's <laughs> um, a lot going on there. A couple layers. Yeah. So uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, then uh, we are all, all three of us that are on this show right now, are at the Responsible Seafood Summit in St. John in Canada. And uh, if you are there as well... Find us in the room somewhere. Yeah, come find us. Uh, I, I, I'm going to promote this episode a little bit when we're doing our live presentations at the summit because uh, it's, uh, it's great for people to know that we're still going to be pumping out content while we are on site. So, uh, Daniel, uh, it, it's going to be great to catch up with you there in a few days. But uh, right now... We're going to be talking about Secret Island, and we have a lot to cover, but I want to start off by learning about you and kind of who we're talking to. So give us your story. Who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you end up doing what you're doing? All right. Well, thank you guys, first of all, for having me. I've been looking forward to this chat for a while. And at the risk of providing too much information, whenever I'm asked the question of how did you wind up here, I tell people it all started in childhood um, because it really did. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in the sticks of New Jersey. Um, they do exist. It's called the Garden State for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's relevant because I grew up raising like hogs and sheep in my backyard. Um, it's just for our family's consumption, but it was really, I bring this up as evidence of a point that food and where it comes from is always very proximate to me, even from a very young age. Um, my first job was washing dishes in at age 14, where my brother was a chef. Um, and from there, I worked in the restaurant industry doing everything there was to do from being a dishwasher to being a general manager. Um, I made the transition over to the supply side, working for a distributor in 2008. Uh, I just felt like I uh, learned as much as I, I wanted to um, in restaurant operations and wanted to try to challenge myself with uh, a new aspect of the kind of broader food industry. It's important to pause here because I did it in 2008 in New York City, which was um, we had a major economic recession there. So people stopped spending money on um, unnecessary things like eating food outside of the home. <laughs> so it wasn't the best timing to go into um, selling really high-end meats into fancy restaurants in Manhattan because mm. nobody was buying anything. Yeah. And when I started... Um, I look back at it now and I realize it was just like my boss at the time throwing me into the deep end to see if I could swim. But I started with no training, never having done street sales before in a B2B context. Um, so an expensive product in the most competitive marketplace in the world with uh, 100% commission. And there was so, a hurricane in, over the deep end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was just kind of trial by fire, sink or swim. And I got told no a lot, but I'm really stubborn. and I just stayed at it and kind of learned the craft of, of sales. And, um, I really enjoyed it. Ended up managing New York city sales for a distributor for a number of years. And something was clicking into gear for me where I said, you know, it's a kind of an aha moment where I knew that I really enjoyed this side of the business. Um, and I was good at it. So I wanted to figure out how I could, um, level up my skill set, kind of professionalize what I was doing. So I volunteered for some stuff. Um, I was an intern at the New Amsterdam Market, which was a public market underneath the Manhattan side of the Brooklyn Bridge, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was on the board of Slow Food New York City for a few years. And ultimately, I went and got a master's from NYU in food studies, um, which was one of the first, if not the first, um, food studies program in the country. Um, that allowed me to look at complex challenges to the food system from a very broad holistic perspective uh it's like a liberal arts education in global food systems but where it lacked direction i made up for in taking uh business and marketing classes because i knew that that's kind of how i needed to leverage that experience in education into kind of a real world application mm -hmm. right um so right after graduating, I joined another seafood company uh, that was in its startup phase called Sea to Table, uh, based in Brooklyn. And Sea to Table's whole reason for being was uh, supporting <clears throat> well-managed, sustainable, wild domestic fisheries. Um, important note to put to pin for a second, right? So I, I was with them from they. I started as their New York City sales rep. I managed New York City sales for a meat-based distributor and seat the table concurrently for a year, which was a really crazy experience. Uh, and then went full-time to seat the table, um, basically building out a, uh, a national sales team 
for them um, and expanding markets. And from there, as our success kind of rose from selling to restaurants to selling to restaurant chains to selling into distributors and higher education, et cetera, my role with the company went to VP of business development. And I was there for a few years, really kind of building the team and the business. Um, I transitioned from there to a national sales and director of marketing role for another uh premium sustainable protein distributor and did that for a couple of years and then a recruiter found me on linkedin so this is definitely a plug for linkedin um <laughs> and said hey there's an opportunity to work with a chilean aquaculture company called someone and for me i mean i couldn't be more from the outside looking in objective to this because keep in mind the only seafood industry experience i had was um, building a brand and a business that focused solely on wild domestic mm -hmm. seafood. And here I am looking at aquaculture, which is the exact thing that I was positioning, positioning that brand you know, against to compete against. But I said, this is really cool. I just want to learn about it. Um, and let me see what the opportunity is and what the fit is. And over the course of a couple of months, I realized that it was a really unique opportunity to not only have a seat at the table to affect the kind of change that I feel is necessary um, to sustainably feed the world with aquaculture, but um, also to build a brand from the ground up and to do it um, in a, with a lot of autonomy, being the only employee outside of Chile in the North America running this operation and, and really just getting my hands dirty, um, building something from the ground up. So I said yes, and here I am almost two and a half years later. And that is a really long story because I started when I was like 10. And long story I'm long. In my 40s. Yeah, exactly. Long story long. Awesome. Uh, so let's, let's talk about Secret Island because there's a lot going on with Secret Island and you guys have a, a kind of a unique uh, process and a unique uh, audience, right? A unique customer base. So tell us about Secret Island and how, how you got that going. Yeah, happy to. So... Um, I joined the Secret Island team uh, June of 2020, so mid-pandemic. Um, you know, my entire onboarding and interview process was all done via Zoom to folks down in Patagonia. So it was really kind of an interesting uh, transition. Um, but when I started, they had the name and the logo of Secret Island, and everything else was to be built. And they basically gave me a hearty handshake, a virtual handshake, and a slap on the back yep. and said, get to it. <laughs> um, and my directive was to build the North American sales organization that's a subsidiary of our Chilean parent company, the actual salmon farm in Chile that's been around for 35 years, mm -hmm. um, and to build the brand of Secret Island. Um, and to do those two things really concurrently because they had to happen at the same time, right? So I hit the ground running um, and really built the infrastructure of the business from legal, financial, operations, logistics, uh, product development, channel development, sales and marketing strategy, uh, et cetera. I could write a book. Um, and at the same time, also started really strategically thinking of what the brand Secret Island needs to be in order to leverage the white space in the market. And it sounds like like hyper, like 
hyperbole, but I literally early on walked into a grocery store nearby where I live in Portland, Maine, and stood in front of the freezer case and uh, the seafood freezer case. And I just observed it for 10, 15 minutes to say, what's here now? What's missing? What needs to be there? How do we solve for it? And in my opinion, as a brand, what was what was missing is um, intrigue, excitement, cool factor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of brands are maybe a little outdated or a little uh, conservative with their um, visual marketing and display tactics. So it's just like a lot of um, like generalized seafood industry and kind of like safe color ways of white and blue, right? And these are legacy brands doing really well with like all the market share that I'm going to have to, to go and get. But the opportunity is, well, let's have a unique point of view. Let's stick to it. And let's just offer a younger demographic something different and really stick to that as kind of our brand ethos. So um, early on, we were really focused on building the brand. Um, I found some amazing agencies to work with as you know, I am literally the only employee in North America working on this project. So there's, um, I don't know, 1200 employees of Simone Sistral South America, and there's one employee of Simone Sistral North America, and that's me. Um, I really need to find uh, partners to kind of own their vertical and see the vision with me and be a stakeholder and, and deliver, right? So I've had to go through a few cycles of finding the right partners in whatever vertical it is, whether it's digital marketing, branding, PR, operations, et cetera. But I landed on a really good team here um, in Portland, Maine, again, called Pulp and & Wire. And they've been instrumental in helping me build this brand from visual identity, packaging, uh, content marketing, et cetera. And we built a brand and we knew we were going to launch first as a D2C platform. That was going to be our, our first channel. Um, mm-hmm. which explain, what, explain what that means. Sure. Uh, D2C is direct to consumer. So think about e-commerce websites like Amazon, uh, where there's a digitally native uh, platform. You can go on to secretislandsalmon.com, experience our brand, look at all of our content and recipes and stories and deep dives into the science of uh, aquaculture. And also make a purchase and, and we'll deliver that and directly to your f- home. There's a full page on there all about BAP. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Sorry, there continue. Is. I mean <laughs> no, I mean let's pause on that for a second. BAP has been one of the instrumental partners. Like when we were saying I need partners to kind of own their vertical and be a stakeholder for our success. B- we've been BAP has been with us every step of the way and I've we've tried really hard to um align with you guys and make you a partner in our our brand's journey from you know inception to now being out in the market so hats off to you guys we we love working with you just gotta Um, had to make sure i got that plug in there yeah of course (laughs) um so we launched that maybe a year 18 months ago um and it was a strategic decision because we wanted to be able to own our brand's narrative and that sounds like a bunch of jargon because it kind of is but what that really means is we need to have full control over our brand. That's what we have equity in uh, to begin with. That's our capital in the marketplace. So 
We didn't want to go onto Amazon at first or Walmart or sell from a third party e-commerce website. We wanted to build and operate our own platform so we could test and learn um, and kind of like a an initial startup phase, um, soft launch, if you will. And we have learned a lot. Uh, it's not easy to operate a D2C platform, especially as you know a team of, of one. Um, we found people to be our third-party logistic partners. Uh, so they um, pick, pack, and fulfill our website orders and deliver uh, directly to consumers' homes. Uh, we're in a couple warehouses across the country, which allows us um, to deliver to, I think it's 98 percent of the u.s population within two days on a uh, fedex or ups ground service um and it's worked you know i mean we we've we've controlled the narrative we've built the brand we've gotten our product in front of consumers we've learned the very uh challenging uh world of e-commerce and i have also um <laughs> i guess um what's the word We've confirmed that e-commerce is a slow and steady build. Um, hmm. Nobody's going to get rich quick uh, launching a uh, an e-commerce platform. You have to be in it for the long haul from all perspectives. Uh, SEO, building social audiences, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what it does allow us to do is have full control and be able to put our product into a person's home and have a direct relationship with the consumer and that's exactly why we we launched that to begin with um but the end run goal for secret islands has always been to build a, a multi-channel or omni-channel brand meaning we're always going to maintain our e-commerce platform and now that we we have that at secretislandsalmon.com we're also folding into other e-commerce uh retailers um so you can get our product on other platforms uh, we've started to develop our our food service business, um, selling to meal kit companies and restaurants and restaurant chains around the country. And as of Expo East, which was in Philly uh, last week, we are officially launching um, our retail channel as well with uh, a great product line and great packaging and the hopes of finding um, distribution and uh, brick and mortar retail stores across the country to to place our product in this is that's actually a great uh lineup because the episode that released last week for anyone who's listening uh in real time was actually a re-release of one of our most popular episodes which was all about how purchasing works on the retail side so so this is um we're, I, i'm excited to talk about the direct to consumer thing but i'm also really excited to talk about your target consumers right because i think something you, you kind of mentioned it yourself when you were in in the supermarket, look at looking at looking right. at the branding and um, you know, kind of the presentation of the products that are out there. And you are kind of putting a big focus on your target consumer and who your audience is and appealing to them. Can you talk talk about? Did you did you do the the, the classic uh, you know the marketing thing of identify your avatar for your audience and stuff? Did you, did you go through that process? Yeah, I was hoping that me talking about avatars wasn't going to be too esoteric, but we sure did. <laughs> Can you, well, explain that to us. That who is your avatar for Secret Island? Because I think it's different than a lot of 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 the other established seafood brands out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in classic marketing, you have demographics, um, 
psychographics and those comprise your avatar, which is essentially a um, a sketch of your ideal consumer to which all of your marketing and promotions and content is aimed towards. Um, so for us, we actually have a whole deck of avatars and broken down into a few different got segments. A, got a whole but, guess who board? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, for us, just put like, Broadly, we're skewing younger for our demographics and our avatars, and we're really uh, focusing on, you know, younger millennials and Gen Z. Um, and that's a lot different than maybe the seafood industry as a whole. Uh, both operators and people consuming the seafood historically is skewed as an older generation. I think we're in the middle of seeing. Uh, to use a uh, an ocean pun, like a tidal shift, if you will, of one generation um, kind of entering into the later stages of their career and retirement and a younger generation kind of taking the reins and building the seafood industry that they want to see for the future. Our target has always been 2050. I mean, that's kind of where I position Secret Islands brands, like reason for being, right? Um, and there's a wicked problem, if you will, not to get too academic, but a wicked problem is um, something that's very complex and doesn't have a very simple solution because it requires uh, multiple deliverables and truths for multiple stakeholders, often at opposition with one another. So the wicked problem of 2050 is the fact that we're going to have 10 billion people to feed. And of those 10 billion people, uh, most of the population growth is going to be coming from developing countries whose um, um, consumption of protein far outpaces um, other parts of the world. So all this is saying is that we're going to have a lot more food to produce in a short amount of time. And a lot of that food has to be protein. So the question remains, how are we going to feed the world in 2050? Um, I come from a mindset that we need both well-managed, sustainable wild-caught fisheries, and we need well-managed, sustainable aquaculture. Those are two things that are true, and some people may say opposing, but I would argue against that and say we need both, and high tide rises all boats, right? I, so I agree completely. You know, like uh, Wild Alaskan Sockeye is an amazing product. Copper River Kings, baby, like all day. There's beautiful product. We need that in the world. And we also need high quality, sustainable aquaculture that's at an accessible price point. We need both, right? So Secret Island's reason for being is to build a brand that can be trusted to deliver sustainable farm-raised salmon with an aim to feeding the world in 2050, right? That messaging resonates the most with younger demographics, right? Um, because they're the ones who are going to be faced head on with that challenge for themselves and their children and you know right. grandchildren. Um, we're seeing the effects of climate change in real time, especially this past summer. And you know these problems aren't becoming um, theoretical anymore. I mean, this is lived experience now. So. For us, it's it's part of our day to day. I mean, we're we're trying to raise awareness around what we're doing. We're trying to educate consumers about the myths and misconceptions, and frankly, untruths that kind of exist around aquaculture and taking 
the tough questions head on so we can um, we can at least educate a concerned consumer and a conscientious consumer, and then they can make their choice as to what kind of product they they care or choose to to consume. Um, Gen Z is also probably the savviest consumer segment ever. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're buying based on values and ethics, and they're extremely well informed because they have the world at their fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that in terms of just information and content. Yeah, it's not enough to make a claim and then not substantiate with um, really transparent information. And that's how we're trying to position ourselves. It's to say, hey, this is what we stand for. This is what we believe. This is why we give a shit. And here's our story. Come with us down to Patagonia. Let us show you exactly what our operations look like. Um, experience our brand through our ambassadors like professional chefs and dietitians and sustainability experts and really, you know, test us. Look under the hood, lift, lift the rocks and see what we're all about because that's, that's how we're going to build a connection with these younger demographics. And ultimately, you know, hopefully that's how we're going to influence the consumption trend to get people eating more seafood um, because we're still um, we're still not eating enough seafood two to three times a week in America averages, you know, one. So we got to rise consumption and we have to rise supply. And um, that's a challenging thing to do. Well, I think you spoke right to that transparency piece, right? Like that's such an important part of reaching that audience. And it, it comes down to, to trust. And I think, you talked about this already, but is there any other strategies or tactics that you want to mention on how, what your focus was really to reach? And I wouldn't consider myself young, but anyone that just goes to your website, if you don't get hungry just by looking at how <laughs> yeah. well it was designed in those pictures, then you're crazy. Because I tell you, whenever we talk about food on the show, and I'm a foodie, I just I get so hungry. And your website. <laughs> It is just so well designed, but can you talk a little bit more about some of the strategies and tactics that you're using? Um, yeah, how you get, you know, you, you mentioned the transparency, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's so important, but like, how do you, how do you get that information out there and how do you reach that audience? What are some of the tactics that you use? Good question. Yeah, sure. Um, and to be, to further the transparency, I'm somewhere in between a millennial and Gen X, right? So I'm learning too in this. It's not as though I'm like uh, marketing in an echo chamber to myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have to see and experience what resonates and, and what values hold true to you know people in their 20s and 30s. Um, they are the largest consumer group that are coming online and they are going to have the purchasing power for the next several decades. So yeah. to not market to them and build a brand for them now... It, in my opinion, is short-sighted um, because Secret Island certainly is uh, is a brand that we're not we're, we're building for the long haul, right? Um, because we want to have a, a seat at the table to help you know advance aquaculture and sustainability, seafood awareness and consumption for the next 20, 30, 40 plus years. Um, in terms of tactics to um, to share our story and be transparent about it. It's really about um, content. I mean, content marketing, it's another kind of like buzzword, but for us, it's, 
it's our bread and butter of what we do every day. So we have fun with our content marketing and how um, we build it and produce it. But we also have to think about, well, where is it going to be experienced, right? And it has to be experienced on the platforms that are popular with our target demographics. Um, and that's oftentimes a, a disconnect in marketing where um, a brand might just have a singular vision of how they want to tell a story. And they'll tell that story and then publish it on a platform that, that they consume media on. Um, it's a missed opportunity, right? I mean, we have to kind of like flex outside of our comfort zone here. And I'll give you a real world example. Um, think about the social media platforms that are popular with younger demographics, right? What's the first one that comes to mind? I did, dare face not say it. Just yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Face, Facebook. No. Um, TikTok. MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. Yeah, um, TikTok. Nah. Yeah. I literally spent a day yesterday with our marketing team filming TikTok videos. Um, it makes me really uncomfortable. I'm not like an on-camera guy, right? Mm -hmm. or, or a person or a social media personality. But I, I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to our brands and sustainability and aquaculture and these kind of like complex issues around global food systems. So I leaned into it. And, you know, that's part of our, I guess, authenticity or transparency. I'm not trying to be a polished influencer. This is just Daniel Del Coro coming to you on TikTok because this is where I know you're consuming content, right? Mm -hmm. And our voice and tone matches what you expect on TikTok. We're having fun with it. Uh, we're not taking ourselves too seriously, right? But that voice and tone, even though the messaging and the vision and the values that we're sharing are the same, looks different on TikTok than it does on Instagram, than it does on Facebook, than it does on YouTube, than right. it does on our blogs, than it does in our email marketing content. Our blogs are super scientific. It's heavy lifting. So you can laugh at me talking about, you know, some issue with aquaculture on TikTok and okay, I I, I won that battle for your that those first five seconds of attention to make you curious for more. And then if you really are an aquaculture geek, hop onto our website. We have a five-part series about, you know, what we think is important in our transparency about what we're doing in sustainable aquaculture. And we take a very deep dive. But that's not the same content that we're going to put on an Instagram post because you're just going to lose your audience. I think there's two pieces right there that, that are important and you're, you're doing, right? So you're identifying the social platforms for your target audience. But at the same point, you need to understand, like, what is the content that you're putting out on those platforms? You can't do technical right. stuff on TikTok or people are just going to scroll right through like that genuine. And I just got back from a conference down in Boston a few weeks ago that was really heavy on that type of marketing and knowing your platforms and, and making sure that the content, well, especially for TikTok, is, is genuine. And one takeaway I had that, that I'll share on this podcast that I found really interesting was that TikTok search is beginning to replace Google search. And I, that was a shock to me, but it's, that's happening. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, right? I mean, how, again, younger demographics and the younger generation is leveraging these platforms and technologies to really um, guide the development of culture and commerce. I mean, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't not pay attention to that or it's to the detriment of your business. Correct. Yep. So, you know, we're really... We're really trying to, to ride that wave. Um, and again, it's not necessarily my 
my um, first priority or my first comfort zone, but Mm -hmm. I know, I know it needs to be done. Right. I mean, I'm a a business development brand and marketing guy, but personally I don't have any social media profiles. Right. That's just not, it's not where I live, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but I, I know that, like we said, culture and commerce exists on these platforms. So to be relevant today as a new brand with like pretty aggressive growth aspirations, we need to be relevant um, and transparent and authentic on these platforms. For sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you have a really, um, I like the way that you describe the process of your fish production on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you did a really good job explaining that, but um, my the editor, Jamie Wright, the editor of The Advocate, right before I got on here, mentioned that you have, is it the the largest nursery facility in south america or uh we just opened it it's the the largest and most technologically advanced uh ras facility in latin america wow it just opens earlier this year can you can you you give a little rundown of of the process that uh, and it's all explained really clearly on the website but um you know we haven't talked too much about your product um and then so if you can give us a rundown of kind of your the process that you're that uh, Samana Zostel goes through and then some of the products that you have available on your website. Yeah, yeah I think that'd be great. So I can kind of talk more technically about our supply chain and then, you know, focus on our packaging and product and how that's again, kind of pointed towards um, younger demographics. Yeah. Kind of tie, ties it all in. Um, so, where I think Samonis Estral and Secret Island has unique competitive advantage is that we are fully vertically integrated. Um, and that means that we have control over our supply and value chain from the hatchery all the way to the finished good in the bag. Um, it's fairly uncommon um, in uh, food systems, uh, much less aquaculture, um, and something that we're we're really proud about um i've had the opportunity to head down to patagonia a couple of times I'll be going back down again in january with a, uh, a group of chefs and aquaculture experts um and i've been able to see firsthand what our supply and value chain looks like from beginning to end um and you know each of the four stages of, of bap certification from feed hatchery farm and processing um, and it's, it's really amazing to, to experience that within a week of starting at a hatchery and seeing the eggs and then, you know, going to, you know, the, the first kind of freshwater grow out facility to our ocean sites, to our processing, to, you know, enjoying a finished good for, for lunch or dinner. Um, Samonis Estral in Chile, um, we operate maybe 30 or 40 different centers. We have a few hatcheries. Um, we have a few freshwater centers, one of which is notable because uh, it just opened this year. It's called Arianes. Um, and it is the largest and most technologically advanced, uh, recirculating aquaculture system or RAS facility in Latin America. It's an amazing facility for anybody who geeks out on this type of stuff. You can, there's a bunch of articles about it. Um, we, filmed and published a, a YouTube video that kind of takes a tour of it. It's just an amazing piece of infrastructure. Um, it's 99% um, 
water efficient. Um, it's solar powered. It allows us full control over the quality of the product. And um, it's really starting to have a net effect on our sustainability efforts and the quality of the product we're able to produce. Which, again, like as a company, as Somoni Sastral, and that encompasses everything we're doing at Secret Island, it's not just lip service when we say we're advancing aquaculture. The company aligns itself with real goals and puts its own skin in the game to make those things happen, right? So we were the first... Um, Chilean aquaculture company to sign on to the uh, Paris Climate Agreement with science-backed target initiatives, um, and that's kind of like a big, a big piece to say, okay, we're now aligning our our corporate growth to reducing net effects on climate and reducing emissions. Right? How do we do that? We do that beginning with a piece of infrastructure like Arianis, right? Um, so it's not about being sustainable from here, day one. It's about planning growth and strategically and tactically making the efforts to be sustainable over time and the long term, right? Again, that kind of like 2050 um, directive. So from Arianes, we go to our ocean sites. Um, and again, we have like 20 or 30 of those. Um, we have more leases, but not all of them are active. And they're through all three regions of of uh, Chilean uh, Patagonia, Los Lagos, ISN, and Magallanes. Um, and again, I've had the opportunity to hop onto a boat and travel for an hour into the middle of the ocean to these like pristine locations for our ocean facilities um, and see firsthand the conditions um, that our, our, our fish are in. And again, because we are vertically integrated and we have full control over our supply and value chain, we have full confidence to be transparent about our process because we know the level at what we're, we're doing it, right? So we've made films and content bringing people into our hatcheries, into Arianes, onto our ocean sites. Um, to, to see if we can't bring you down to Patagonia in person, we want you to experience it as close and effective as possible, right? Um, so from the ocean sites, we, have, we operate two processing facilities. Um, one in the north of, or I guess in the south of Los Lagos, and then one on the island of Chiloé in the city of Quillon. Um, and these, again, are kind of amazing facilities and pieces of infrastructure that are super technologically advanced, uh, HACCP certified, we're able to produce sashimi grain products out of these uh, facilities and the line are the lines are immaculately clean our workers and team down there are um, really skilled and we're able to take a whole live fish into individually quick frozen portions within a matter of hours so we say that our, our products are frozen at the peak of freshness hours after harvest. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not just a nice piece of marketing that sounds good. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I really think that that's a, a product differentiator for us. Fantastic. I love that. And uh, like I said, there's some really great imagery and videos and, and explanation of that. It's, it's in a really uh, approachable uh, manner on the website. So make sure you check that out. But um, talk a little bit before we wrap up. Uh, I want to, can you just highlight kind of some of the products that you sell on your website direct to consumer? 
Yeah, happy to. Um, I'm going to start with the packaging because the packaging was uh, a, a really fun learning exercise for me. I've worked on developing packaging for legacy brands and new brands in the past, but this is my first opportunity to say from the ground up, what is this brand going to look like and feel like? Um, and it was just a ton of fun to build this packaging. Um, and again, we kind of solved for the white space in that supermarket freezer case, right? Like what's missing. And I feel like what's missing is a point of view and personality and loud color, right? Um, so if you take a look at our packaging that we're rolling out uh, between now and the end of the year, they're fun, vibrant colors that breathe some life into that freezer case. And you're not going to be able to walk past that freezer door without it stopping to get your attention. And hopefully it does, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're starting with seven SKUs. Um, we have, it's all individually quick frozen. And that's, uh, that's a tactical decision for us. So that way we can uh, have full confidence in the, the quality of our product. Uh, that allows us not to have to fly products from Chile to the market of North America, but um, to do so more sustainably and, and put it on a boat. Um, and it also allows for an ease of use and accessibility for the consumer at home, right? So the whole intention is that you go on our website or go into the store, grab a couple of uh, packages, throw them in your freezer, and then it's just a really easy, quick thing to cook for a weeknight meal, right? Um, our hope is that people are consuming Secret Island salmon a few times a month. Um, we put the packages, uh, all the packages are uh, in resealable freezer pouches. Um, and then all portions are individually vacuum packed within. So again, um, you know, our portions, you can take one or two out for your meal, put the freezer, uh, put the freezer pouch back, and then you have it again for, you know, later that week or, or next week. Our SKUs initially are uh, skin-on Atlantic and coho salmon. Um, we have two marinated portions, so blackened and whiskey teriyaki, which are skin-off. Uh, and then we do some some really cool things in like a value-added category, if you will. Uh, salmon burgers, salmon bacon, and salmon hot dogs. Go ahead. So, sorry, I just the more we talk about these things, I'm looking at the picture. <laughs> Your mouth is yeah. so hungry. Stop drooling all over my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be sure to ship you guys some some products so you can experience it in real time. Or if you're if you guys are down in uh, in New England, come up to our office in Portland, Maine. I'll cook for you. Yeah, that's uh, not you too know, far we'll from driving through Portland on Friday. Yeah, we're picking up uh, one of our colleagues to bring him up to uh, uh, St. John for the. No, summer. you know what I need to do. My my daughters are very limited in what they'll eat, and they're really into hot dogs right now. We give them hot dogs like three times a week. <laughs> I should really try and see if I can get them to try the salmon hot dogs, kind of without telling them that it's different. To mm -hmm. See if they if they like. Yeah, I mean, you know, we you hit the use case for that, right? I mean, the salmon hot dogs are like good at any day part or any use case, but one of the uh, best applications for that is for kids to consume more seafood, right? Um, we didn't develop the hot dog to be like an analog or a replacement for a traditional hot hot dog. We want it to taste like a smoked salmon hot dog with traditional hot dog spices, but it's not yeah. trying to fool you, right? It just tastes mm -hmm. like really clean smoked salmon. My son, who's five, I mean, it won't even like touch ketchup or a bun. He's just like eating the hot dog one after another. He can't get enough of them. Um, so it's a really great product. It contains a ton of omega-3. One serving is just about a week's worth of omega-3s for, for a kid. And, we, you know, if you listen to dietitians or nutritionists and their advice, 
omega-3 is huge and important in um, brain development for kids. So how do you get them to eat more salmon? Put it in a format that's not scary. Put it in a hot dog, right? right. Yeah. Salmon bacon Good is the same idea. Um, it's a really clean product. It's salmon belly that's been lightly smoked and lightly cured. There's literally three ingredients, salmon, hardwood smoke, and salt. Um, the format, we're cutting it into strips that are about an ounce and a half each. It's an immediately like visually approachable, accessible product that looks like a strip of bacon. You can crisp it up in a pan or in the oven and use it as a substitute for a traditional pork bacon. And it's, again, a lot cleaner. There's no preservatives. And one portion of our smoked salmon bacon contains a week's worth of your omega-3. So it's one of those unique products that I hope is like a win-win-win across the board. Uh, we sampled it at Expo East in Philly last week, and we simply could we simply could not produce enough for the demand. I mean, we ran out of samples every day within a couple of hours because wow. it's the first for many people there is their first experience with salmon bacon. And mm -hmm. if that consumer sentiment is anything to draw a conclusion from, we're in good shape. <laughs> we're in good shape with this product, and I'm excited to get more people to try it. If uh, and I know we're getting a little bit low on time here. One of the questions we asked near the end is, you know, we we've covered a lot of ground, and there may be some people that yeah. want to keep the discussion going. What is the best way for any of our listeners to get in contact with you or Secret Island um, if they have further questions? Hop on our website and um, place a call or an email. And because right now Secret Islands. Uh, it's a team of one in North America, even though it says <laughs> it's an 800 number or it's an info at it's going to me. Yeah. So I, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never very far removed. Um, get in touch, hit us up on um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, again, we're all reading these notes and we want to hear from consumers because we're still building this brand and um, we want to learn um, likes and dislikes and feedback and, you know, if there are any words of encouragement, we'll take those two. Fantastic. The last thing that I want to ask is something that we ask a lot of our guests, but uh, what resources do you need? You know, we have a listener base of thousands of people all around the world who are hearing your voice right now. So, you know, a lot of people have different resources available to them. So what resources do you need to help you achieve your immediate or long-term goals? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. Thank you. It's my job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well done. Um, you know, for me personally, um, I, again, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about aquaculture. So, um, I haven't experienced the aquaculture community to be that one, like one of like closed doors, but I would say just continue kind of the advocacy for, for aquaculture and kind of this culture of learning. Everyone I've met in this space has been extremely welcoming um, and I've learned a lot, but I still have so much more to learn. So, um, you know, I rely on people with, you know, advanced science degrees to really bring me up to speed on some of the more complex topics, because then that allows me to digest the information and understand how to communicate that to a consumer because I myself am a consumer, right? I mean, I'm not coming to this from an academic or scientific perspective first. So I would say that uh, open open dialogue, and uh, more specifically, you know, 
use cases and experience of what's worked and not worked in terms of of marketing um, seafood seafood brands and products to consumers. It's an interesting case study because there's not it's a mature category, but compared to other categories and similar uh channels or spaces there's not a lot of seafood brands out there so um i think we can all kind of learn by doing and sharing best practices fantastic well if anybody is listening to this on the day that it comes out come find us come find daniel uh, if you're at the seafood summit uh and if not uh please remember to check the show notes for links to all of the uh pretty much to the secret eye and website and we can maybe tag some of the social media areas as well in that. And, um, if there's nothing else, I just want to say, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're looking forward to hanging out, uh, up in St. John and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you guys again for the opportunity. Hopefully I didn't talk too much travel safe up to New Brunswick. I'll see you next week. All right, folks, that was our conversation with Daniel Del Coro from Secret Island. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And I hope that you will come find us if you are currently at the Responsible Seafood Summit in St. John. Remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. So that way, every time a new episode comes out, it will be automatically downloaded directly to your device. Find us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you're not following us already, please go ahead and do so. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, you can do so by filling out our online form, which is located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. We It really helps us out and we really appreciate everybody that's already done that. And if you like what we do and you want to be more involved in the work that's done here at the Global Seafood Alliance, you may want to consider becoming a member. All of the information about our membership program can be found at globalseafood.org slash membership. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.